Game one of Suns Mavs is here. We did Suns questions on Sunday. We'll do Mavs questions now. What can Suns fans expect? How can the Mavs win this series? We'll break it all down on today's Locked On Suns, Locked On Mavs crossover. I'm Luka Doncic, and this is Locked On Mavs We are back. This is a Locked on Suns, Locked on Mavs crossover show, getting you ready for game one of the second round. We're part of the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member and a contributor at suns.com and Dime Magazine. I am joined by the Locked on Mavs folks. That is Nick Engstadt. That is Isaac Harris. Good morning, Isaac. (laughs) I love... I love it. Uh, this is part two of part two of a crossover, getting you ready for the game. We are brought to you by Bet Online today. Bet Online has you covered with more props, odds, and lines than ever before all year long. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, guys. So you you asked me questions on Sunday's show, part one here. Part two. I am going to ask you guys some questions. And I said in the first in the first one that I don't like I, I don't think Suns fans are underestimating the Mavs, although some some of them are delusional. I've heard there's <laughs> Suns and four. There's uh, enough delusional already. Mavs fans too. Uh, there's yeah. delusional yeah. all sorts of fans. But um I think this is gonna be a series. So I'm excited to get get into it. But it's the same place we started in part one, frankly, in terms of matchups. And I think a lot of the first couple games of a series are a lot about matchups. So we saw the Pelicans in the first round. Herb Jones was their guy. And then it was like, what comes next? And we saw Brandon Ingram guarding Devin Booker. Then Devin Booker goes out and then things get turned on their head. But Alvarado. Guys, <laughs> what was that? Alvarado. Oh, God. No, no, no. We don't actually. Wait, do you not like this guy now? No, not at all. Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm rooting he's, for him in his career. He's, he's a great, he's a cool story, but no, I mean he's the JJ Barea now. Like he's the new JJ yes. Barea. Like ever every, every other team is gonna kind of hate him and then Chris Paul acting like he didn't know his name. Get out of here. Chris Paul uh didn't get the ball across half court a couple times. So I think, uh, <laughs> I think he was flustered, to be frankly too. But no, <laughs> let me just ask you this: like point blank. How do the Suns guard Chris Paul and Devin Booker? Just it, game one, opening tip, first offensive possession for the Suns. What does that look like? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith, you know, this season has kind of grew into just this perfect. I said, on you know, if you listen to part one, if you haven't listened, go listen to part one from yesterday on both of our YouTube channels. But, you know, we talked about Dorian Finney-Smith has turned into this just ideal 3 and D guy. Like he last, last series was the... I mean, it was incredible. Like everything you can ask for for Dorian Finney-Smith in a series, he gave it to you last series. He shot forty percent from three. He was the primary defender on on Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell, who shot like twenty percent from three last series, shot, shot under forty percent from the field uh, last series. Dorian Finney-Smith also played two hundred fifty-nine of the two hundred eighty-eight possible minutes <laughs> last series. So uh, hopefully, he's just kicked back resting before this Sun series because. He's probably going to get the Devin Booker assignment because he always guards the best, you know, perimeter guy for the opposing team. But I think we could see him on Chris Paul too. Like that first matchup, you know, they threw Maxi out there to have length on Chris Paul and to kind of disrupt, disrupt, you know, the point guard and all of that. But 
I, I think Dorian will start off on Booker, but it wouldn't shock me if he spent some time on, on Chris Paul. And then I think I think Reggie Bullock starts on Chris Paul. Right? That's sort of been the thing that like these two wings have defined the Mavericks in so many different ways. We we talked about them in our, you know, the series winning podcast we did right after the Mavs beat the Jazz and put David Locke and the Utah Jazz out of out of business for the rest of the season. But <laughs> Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney Smith have played so many minutes in that series. They the Mavs cannot do any of the defensive schemes or even some of the offensive schemes because of how good those guys have been shooting the ball. They can't do any of the stuff that they try to do without those two guys specifically and how many minutes those guys are able to play and stay up at a really, really good, like a high level. And so those Nick, two guys Nick doesn't are even be think huge. Reggie should play very much. Like I have to apologize that you felt that he should have played more. For Suns fans and new Mavs fans, that's a that's Jason Kidd telling me that uh, when I asked him a question after like game two or three, Reggie Bullock played like it's seventeen early on. Yeah, yeah, he played seventeen minutes in a game, and I was just curious. I was asking him if there was anything like physically wrong with Reggie Bullock, and that's what he told me. <laughs> I have to apologize that you felt that he should have played more. <laughs> and I've, I've never stopped playing it all year. <laughs> but in all honesty, I mean that was the the biggest signing for the Mavs, you know, this past yeah. offseason, and looking for these three and D guys to to play you know, with Luka Doncic and. I mean, he had an incredible series too, alongside Dorian, forty percent from three and have, playing amazing defense. And the only, the only, if you want to say downside about it is, the Mavs have to put a lot of wear and tear on these guys. They have to play. I mean, yeah. I mean, they're they're both playing forty four to forty six minutes, you know, the entire series, and they're about to do it again against Phoenix. Because yeah, the, the other average is that guy in in the first round for yeah. the Suns. I mean, I think he played forty seven. In the closeout game, uh, similar in the in mm. game five, there are two wins to close it out. So this is going to be a wing-heavy series. This is going to be a, a versatile switching series. So some of that matchup stuff will change, obviously. But I'm curious what – because we talked about this in part one too, but the last time these teams played was pre-trade deadline. So Chris Porzingis played a massive role in that game. Uh, mm. The Suns had to put a big body on him. That's just what you do, even though he wasn't very effective in that game. <laughs> so things are different now. Spencer Dinwiddie's here. Reggie Bulk's playing way more. How have you guys seen like the way that, as you've seen maybe like a repeat game or the Jazz series in particular, what's different about how teams are approaching the Mavericks now that they look so different? Because that's going to be one of the big questions from the jump in game one. Well, you, you just look at how the Mavericks have approached games. Like they were playing these, they with with when as long as Porzingis was here and Luca and Porzingis were playing, they played just these two different styles all the time, right? They would play this, you know, one style when Porzingis was on the floor and another style when he wasn't. And then finally, when you know Porzingis was traded, the Mavs were able to just say, "Hey, we're going to play this one style this whole time." I mean, a little bit different with Luca because of what Luca allows you to do, but. They, you know, they they spread they spread the floor. They usually have a lot of shooters, unless Dwight Powell or another like rim roller is on the floor. They run a ton of pick and rolls. They just run it over and over and over again. And Luca can kick out to shooters. Brunson can kick out to shooters. You have Brunson doing stuff in the mid range, in the post, and, and getting stuff done there. And so the Mavs have been able to. Uh, and then adding Spencer Dinwiddie added a third ball handler the Mavs needed so badly. And then Jalen Brunson stepping up and becoming like. Honestly, like an all-star level player in the playoffs. <laughs> Good Lord, he's been one of the, I don't know, 10 best players in the playoffs. It's wild. We did not even expect that. Uh, you know, as Mavs fans are people that have covered all of Brunson's career in the NBA. So his step up and the addition of Dinwiddie has allowed them to 
add these different attackers and ball handlers. And so you've seen, you know, Luca get some more post-ups. You've seen Luca get some some more opportunities where he wouldn't before because Porzingis was kind of occupying that space or they had to have, you know, Porzingis and Dwight Powell out there, which just kind of mucked up a, a lot of different things. I, I'm curious, too, on JaVale McGee's minutes in the series that we've seen, you know, ever since the trade happens and, and Dallas kind of embraced this, like, you know, small ballish. If we just want to say that, you know, there's no more KP down low. The the center by platoon with Dwight Powell's rim roller, Max he can stretch. Dorian has this small ball five with Bertans out there with him. But it, you know, we seen a team early. You know, a few months ago, they went zone on Dallas and it kind of really threw them off. And it's like, whoa! Look, they're trying to adjust because Dallas loves to just drive kick, drive kick, move the ball, try to get the open three. And then there was this this sliver of a moment in this Utah series in which Rudy Gobert goes to the bench, Whiteside stays on the bench, and they ran Eric Pascal out as their five, and it it threw Dallas off too. And then we went into the next game saying, oh, "How much are they going to lean into this? How much is Quinn Snyder going to do this?" Because it obviously worked for a little bit with you know against Dallas there with the small ball on it. And they just never did. They hardly ever went back to it. So my, I think that's my question is, if JaVale McGee is like a Hassan Whiteside type of, you know, I, I get he, I think he's better than Whiteside. But <laughs> is there a moment, if, if Dallas' small ball is excelling against Phoenix, especially when DeAndre Aiden's off the floor, do they lean into that, what you referenced on part one, the all-defensive, all-world Torrey Craig at the small ball five type of thing? Do they go small <laughs> in the second unit? And just JaVel McGee's kind of like to the wayside. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's actually a really good question. I kind of want to talk about the benches a little bit more. So we'll do that after a quick break. First, though, guys, uh, I'm actually in uh, save mode with my Athletic Greens, my AG1. I, I got to the end, and I'm like, I'm not going to use the last scoop. So I've been going every other day, but I've also been feeling it. Uh, we, I, I at least, you guys, you guys, uh, AG1 addicts at this point, you guys been pumping it in? Oh, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. It's making me feel. It's making me feel younger. It's making me feel more energetic. My gut health is great. All that stuff. Like all the all the boxes have been checked. The gut health isn't a good thing to always uh, broadcast, but when it feels that much better, you know, you got to talk about it. <laughs> Seventy-five well, high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adapt- adaptogens to help you start your day right. Again, supports that gut health, that nervous system, immune system, energy. Everything uh, makes you feel a little younger if you are uh, if you ever feel old. I, I don't really not, struggle with not that. Not that Brendan and I need see. to look any younger. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Nick and I uh, Nick and I Wait. maybe need something that makes do us I, look older. Do I not look younger? <laughs> you got a beard. You got the beard. I did shave for this. Normally it's a little longer. Just but... that Brendan and I look like we're fifteen. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that is that is true. <laughs> Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced problems with that gut health, ended up in a compl- complicated supplement routine, and it cost him a hundred dollars per day to recover. What he did is create a product that saved everybody from that experience. So Athletic Greens and their AG One can do the same for you. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for this pill and that pill, that supplement and this supplement. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NBA network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NBA network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. All right, Isaac, you were talking about the bench a little bit in the center spot specifically. I think 
to answer your question a little bit, I don't know if this is a JaVale McGee series. The last series actually for the Suns ended up not being a JaVale McGee series by the end. I do think there's a certain level of worry that the playoffs aren't uh, necessarily the best for JaVale McGee, period. If you remember back to some of those Lakers and Warriors series when he was winning titles, he was getting DNPs by the end. This this is a pattern for him. I think Bismack Biombo and Torrey Craig will be the backup big men when things really you know get tight late in games, late in the series. Um, I just think that that the Mavs are going to bring that out of them, you know. And I, I do though think McGee can make make it work when Powell's out there. So. I guess yeah. that's a question for you guys. You said in part one, you think Powell might play a little more in this series. What do you think his role will be? Yeah, I, I think that, that the Mavs are going to be able to run, pick and roll a little bit more on on them. I think that I think that Rudy Gobert is a better defender than DeAndre Ayton, and I don't think that that's a crazy opinion. And so I think that the Mavs will be able to run that a little bit more. The Mavs also didn't have Luka in the first three games of the Jazz series. And so without Luka, like Dwight Powell is just rendered sort of like, a hustle guy. <laughs> you need a little bit more than a hustle guy in the playoffs. And so I think that he'll play a little bit more. He also can, uh, he can try to defend Deandre Ayton a little bit more. And uh, the Mavs don't lose, like don't lose a ton uh, on the offensive end because Luca is still there and Luca is in. So I, I think Dwight will play a little bit more in the series, but I also think we're just going to, they're just going to go back. It's just going to come down to these smaller ball units. It's going to come down to can Deandre Ayton defend in space. It's going to def- depend on, you know, the, the Suns don't want to allow corner threes. Can the Mavs hit the corner threes that they're going to get because they are going to get them because they're going to get, you know, penetration. There's, there's just going to be all kinds of things. And it's just going to get them down to those small ball units again, because that's just the best lineups the Mavericks have. And they're going to try and force that on the Suns. I'm I'm so curious about the Dwight Powell minutes because you know when you start looking at some of the numbers into you know you guys defending DeAndre Ayton defending in the pick and roll like you look in the regular season they're 25th in the league the Suns were and they allowed 1.18 points per position to the roll man uh, according to Synergy and even you know it's kind of the opposite in that New Orleans series because I think it's CJ McCollum I was trying to look at some of these a lot of the possessions um, it was the opposite in the playoffs in that first round series for them to the pick and roll ball handler they're averaging an even 1.0 points per possession which if you're familiar with synergy rankings is a, a, a poor rating as far as defending you know the ball handler in that so that tells me that they're that Phoenix does struggle a little bit in defending or, or a little lot, however you want to say it, the pick and roll. And if there's a duo to kind of take advantage of that, it's Luka Doncic and Dwight Powell. So the only thing is that this is where the debate comes in. Dwight doesn't shoot threes. Maxi does. But Dwight's a great rim roller. Maxi isn't. So how, how will Dallas kind of balance that? I think Dwight plays more in this series, especially against maybe a DeAndre Ayton. But if they want to truly space the floor – then, you know, Maxie's out there shooting the threes. Yeah, last series, Powell was just about 18 minutes per game. Maxie was 23, over 23. Uh, I, I think I just, I agree with you. I mean, maybe Powell plays a bit more maybe early in the series, but I, I think Kleba at the five is going to be their best look. I mean, it's what's given the Suns most trouble. Um, on the note of minutes, though, I'm curious. I mean, I think... Some of it's out of whack because Luca came in and then the rotation changes a little bit. But do you think that what we saw at the end of the first round from Dallas's standpoint is sort of going to be the rotation? Like, do you think really those guys are going to be playing 35, 38 plus minutes every night from here on out in the playoffs, however long Mavs are in it? Yep. 100%. They just don't I mean, have other guys? 
Yeah, unless you want to see Trey Burke every night, which I think you guys would. But <laughs> and, jo- and Josh Green is the other one too. You know, Josh Green's just this. It's a such an interesting situation for him as you know a first round pick a few years ago. And now he's here, and it's like he had one good game against Utah, and it's like all right, he can play. And then he really didn't play at all. He played like two minutes in that game six game. They basically played seven man rotation in that closeout game in game six. So, I mean, especially for Reggie and Dorian, they're going to play over forty every single game. And that's where it's like when you look at expendable guys for Dallas, it, it's almost like you almost put Dorian at the top of that list more than like a Jalen Brunson that they just can't have a Dorian Finney-Smith get hurt at all. One last thing on the rotation stuff in minutes. Do you think Luca? we could just have the injury conversation? I mean, <sighs> I think Book is going to take a bit. I mean, I think actually one of the silver linings and what made me understand him coming back more is if you get it over in six, you get more time to rest. Whereas if they had gone to seven, you only have two days. Um, and then, you know, Luca's three games in now. How much do you guys expect Luca's injury to continue to affect him? How did it affect him once he got back on the court? What should we expect there? It's going to affect him the most on the defensive end. The The Jazz tried to attack Luca a lot. They tried to throw Donovan Mitchell at him a lot where you just try to see if he could run by him really quick. And it, it worked a, a decent amount in that Jazz series, why a lot of the games were were close. But it's going to affect him there. The Mavs try to leave Luca out there. They've left Luca out there in like de- like defensive purposes. Like when they're doing offense, defense, subs, they'll leave Luca out there. And it's just kind of wild to see sometimes because – Luca has stepped up defensively this year. This has been the best defensive year of his of his career so far. He's been pretty good defensively. Don't let David Locke try to bog you down with any numbers. He just came on our pod and was just like slamming him all over the place. But he's been pretty good this year. But with this injury, with this calf strain that Luca, you know, uh, suffered in the, the very final game of the season in a in a quarter that really didn't matter. <laughs> that that uh, you know he's he's coming back from first game. He looked rusty. The last two games, I thought he looked back like Luca again. Um, still getting attacked defensively, but now he's had a couple extra days as well. The Mavs won in six, and so they got extra days to rest as well. I'm sure, he's still doing treatment, and so I'm not as worried about about Luca in that scenario. And I'm not sure that even I guess even like Booker and Chris Paul are going to attack the way that Devin Booker would or that Donovan Mitchell did. Mitchell just tried to like speed right past him, and I don't think Chris Paul and Don and Devin Booker really do that in their game. And so I think Luca may be able to hold up all right against those two guys compared to the way that the the Jazz tried to attack him in the last series. Yeah, and it, you know, where he struggles a lot defensively, um, you know, offense, I'm not worried about it. Um, you know, as far as, like, he's not limping anything either. Like, he he's he's moving out there, and he's he's playing. Um, it's <laughs> he just... Doing, he's doing both of those things. Well, as far as, like, he's playing, like... Moving? There's playing. no, like... You, you can't visibly in. see a, a difference in him, like, Well, let me actually ask you, though, not to interrupt, but the... Yeah. Luca, so his free throws were, I mean, some of it's fluky. He only played three minutes, but he was only like six point something free throws per game. And I looked actually his post-up frequency against the Jazz in the first round was only three and a half percent. It was like almost 10 in the regular season. So yeah. I'm not saying that's all the injury, but what do you make of that stuff? Well, they just really like the getting the mismatch with Rudy on the perimeter. One, they like the mismatch. They, they trust it in the fact that Luca can take advantage of the Rudy mismatch. But also, when you get Rudy out on the perimeter, it kind of just it just pulls him away from the basket. You know, there are a couple of plays they just swing it over to the other guy, and the other guy just blows past the perimeter defender because they're basically traffic cones in Utah. So, and then they can just get to the rim, and Rudy's not at the rim. So, I think it's more of that than it is health. But it's what I was saying while I go is like him closing out on threes. 
that's where he's having a lot of issue right now. Just coming, you know, trekking down the floor and it's like, Oh, where's my guy? And they're switching. And then he's just not and jazz. Just missed their threes. Now you guys don't shoot a ton of threes. I think you're like what? 20 fit 26 in the league and three point attempts per game. But when you do shoot threes, you actually hit them. You're like top 10 percentage wise. So it's going to be these threes, the Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder. I feel like Jay Crowder is going to attempt like eight or nine threes a game in this series because he's just <laughs> going to get open threes. Yeah. I, I freaking love Cam Johnson. He's like one of my he's he's one of my favorite players. He's a steal in the draft. He's a steal. Puff, you know, his little his little brother plays, you know, still plays for UNC. But uh, yeah. anyway, that's that's where Lucas struggling right now is closing out on some of these threes. Yeah, the 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 level of like sophistication we're going to see in the pick and roll stuff is probably the most exciting part of this whole thing to me. I know you mentioned the, the just spamming the Spain pick and roll and in part one, Isaac, and like, we're going to see a lot of that, but there was so much cool stuff going on on both sides, even in that last game that they played in the regular season. And they still had some, some fluff in the rotation out there, you know, like (laughs) KP played, Biombo played, McGee played. He's, it was, he said it fluff was in the rotation, KP played. Well, I mean, yeah. look, I guess I see eye to eye with uh, the Mavs front office. But, yes. like, yeah. you know, like, as just as an example, like, if the if, if Luca got a switch, and this is on offense, but if Luca got a switch, Booker or somebody else, they were leaving Finney Smith or – Josh Green or whatever mid drive on Luca and somebody else would pick him up and then Booker would like bail back out to the perimeter. Like these teams are so smart. So I do think if Booker or Luca are a little bit hampered and you do see it on defense or you, if it, if they aggravate it and it, and it gets worse, like just those little bits do count. But um, I want to talk about pace too, because I think both yeah. of these teams like to play slow, but they're kind of, better sometimes when they do play fast so um we'll get there we'll get to that in just a second first of all guys today's show is also brought to you by built bar the best tasting protein bar ever the best uh, my favorite i'm assuming your guys's favorite i i I honestly notice it now when i do not have a built bar and uh (laughs) it 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 throws me off it throws my whole day off what's your guys's favorite flavor isaac coconut brownie chunk all day every day it's a good one i had a brown i had a I had a brownie batter puff today and it was my last one. They don't even, they don't even sell them anymore. You have to check the website every day because the flavors, the good flavors go so quickly. I had a, I had a, somebody comment in the YouTube video the other day. They were like, just so you know, the flavor that you said is the best. They don't sell that anymore. And I was like, I'm sorry you're missing out, but they did sell it and it's delicious. It's a bummer, but you got to go check them out because they'll bring something back that you thought you, you were missing out on. And now it's here. They just launched granola bars. Uh, You guys get fancy with your favorite. Mine is, just the old-fashioned double chocolate. None of the bars are ever going to crack 150, 200 calories, no more than 5 grams of sugar, and packed with 15 to 20 grams of protein. That's the biggest thing. You look at a lot of protein bars, quote-unquote protein bars at the grocery store or whatever, and they're all, you know, 5, 8 grams of protein. It's like you're just eating a big sugar pop at that point. It's not doing <laughs> much for you. Built Bar gets that delicious flavor in there, and they make it healthy. They get it done every single time. So go to built.com, use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your Next order, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. 
All right, Isaac, I saw your eyebrows raise when I said that the Suns like to play slow. And that's that's because true. I'm like, I'm look I've been looking at all these pace numbers and I'm yeah. like, how are they top ten in pace? And now you're about to blow my mind. Well, so here. here's here's the deal. So <laughs> I, I usually look at pace in uh seconds per possession instead of possessions per game because uh, okay. uh, your guys' old friend Haralabob says to do it that way. But also I think it's smarter. <laughs> um well, Rob also said to draft Josh Green instead of Desmond Banner. Yeah. And he's still defending that one if you hear him on podcasts. But <laughs> Dallas was bottom. I mean, any way you slice it, but they were actually considerably below the 29th team in seconds per possession oh, at 15 yeah. and a half. And the Suns were sixth. So I should preface what I'm saying by acknowledging the Suns have played much quicker this year than they did last year. That was a, a real flaw for them last year that they just they didn't have stuff built in to build their pace up. It was just Chris Paul's tempo was it. And they got bitten by that in the playoffs and in the postseason or and in the finals. Um, so they built some stuff in. You'll see different guys pick the ball up and take it past half court. You'll see drag screens like at half court by Aiton or Crowder or somebody just to get the, the possession going. And then they play with really good tempo in the half court too. Even if the possession takes long, they're, they're going to move the ball. They're going to get downhill and kick and, and do their thing. The Mavs do that second part, especially lately, but not so much that first part. However, when I looked at that January 20th game, it felt like the Mavs were, were actually playing quick and the Sun, they, they caught the Sun sleeping a little bit. They were able to get some mismatches. They were able to get some trail threes over guys' heads that were too small and things like that. Do you think that, that it's just too ingrained in how the Mavs want to play or do you think that they could switch it into another gear if they realize it's an attack point? Oh, yeah, you were talking about all that stuff that the Suns try to do to get fast pace, and I was like, when's the last time the Mavs ran anything like that? They just don't run any of that stuff at all. But what we did see them do in the Jazz series, which I think they're going to try to do in this series a little bit, is push the pace to get the, the matchup that they want, right? Because the whole thing for the Mavericks, the reason why they play slow is because they're trying to hunt matchups. They're trying to hunt a mismatch. They're trying to get Brunson with a guard that thinks that they're strong enough to guard him, and then they're really not, and then he can just push him around and get his you know spot they're trying to get Luca on a center that's just a little bit too slow that they that doesn't realize he's a little bit too slow. Like they're trying to get all these different matchups. And so the, what the Mavs have tried to do, at least in the Jazz series, is after a rebound push, after you know, after a, a turnover push, and this is just something we haven't seen them do very much at all. And so then maybe they'll try to push the pace up, but if the pace does go real slow, I think that favors the Mavs because they've been playing that way all year. Yeah, Dallas loves to go slow, and they—they—it's they, because they trust their their sets too. Like I was talking about that Spain pick and roll thing. It, well, on when the, you only run like two, <laughs> <laughs> well, because because nobody has an answer for it. Like you, Bobby Corrala, Mavs.com does a great breakdown of this whole action, whole set on on the film room on the Mavs YouTube channel. And he points out, it's like against Houston earlier shit. Now we get the Rockets suck, but <laughs> they started off the game running the same exact set, same play five times in a row, scored five times in a row. And it's like. Yep. Because you have these different actions that you you run it so high near half court, Dwight comes up, you bring this other guy up to set a back screen on Dwight's band. Well, then a lot of times it's Reggie Bullock, but then he slips out and is at the top of the key. So now you're leaving it to Luca to either one shoot a layup, two hit Dwight Powell for a lob, or throw it backwards to Reggie Bullock for a three hitter guy. And it's like so many teams struggle so much with that. A lot of it's because of the brilliance of Luka Doncic, but. If you have a set and you have an action like that, that is near impossible to guard, then you you go slow. And it's like, all right, well, we'll just we'll run our bread and butter. And they're going to run it about 14,000 times this year. Well, a lot of that, and that is actually to my point of the Suns playing slow. Like 
if you allow them to do that stuff, they're going to make you pay too. Like, I mean, Suns fans listening to you were probably thinking, hey, that sounds exactly like like Chris Paul. You'll He's not even hiding it. Like, you watch him yeah. late in games or in a certain spot if he feels like he has blood in the water that he's smelling. He'll just hold up the same signal over and over and over and then stop it. You know, if you don't, we'll just you'll we'll do it again the next time. So I kind of want I mean, that's that because I want to geek out about it. I want to maybe close with the pick and roll stuff, because to me, I was watching and I and the guys Duncan did the breakdown that I went viral. And I'm sure you guys saw that of just how the jazz just falling asleep. He tweeted it. It was going around just stuff where it's like the Mavs are just getting a three. Yeah. By passing it one time to somebody because the Jazz just don't even know what their scheme is. And it's not going to be that easy against the Suns. But I also think, you know, the, the, the Jazz or the Mavs have the personnel to make it harder on the Suns. So pick and roll wise, Nick Isaac, what do you feel like the Mavs will want to attack about the Suns? Like you said, Isaac, that the, that Aiton is, not a great pick and roll defender. I feel like you just have Rudy Gobert highlights in your head because I think he is a pretty good <laughs> pick and roll defender. I can't wait to. Tweet I also you. think there's things to expose about <laughs> the Suns' defense. So, what do you feel like the, the Mavs will want to pick at the most? Well, and and when we talk about a good pick and roll defender, it's like against Luka Doncic, right? Like that's the, that's the 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 frame of mind that we have in that. And so it's like really nobody's really good pick and roll defender if you think about it that way because yeah. Luka's just so good at, at attacking pick and rolls, and so. Yeah, I think they're going to try to get a, a Luca Aiton, you know, ISO a ton. I think they're they're going to try to do that a lot and just see how well Aiton holds up and see if Luca can get past him or if he can, um, you know, body him and get a shot around the rim. Like I think they're going to try that because they've had they had so much faith in it, you know, in the series before against against Gobert. And then you know if they do if the Suns do try to send somebody, then all of a sudden it's you know it's an open three. And then they just trust the open threes to hopefully go down. But to your point, it's not going to be that easy. The Suns rotate a lot better than the Jazz yeah. do. And uh, Aiton moves his feet, obviously, a lot better than, than Gobert does. So that's going to be a, a fascinating thing to watch. Rudy Rudy defends pretty well on the perimeter, too. But He does. Brendan, I'm just trying to find cracks in the armor, okay? Because y'all are so <laughs> freaking good. <laughs> I'm trying no, to find... Look, the ability for the Suns to defend the pick and roll with two guys is something that is a luxury. I mean, having, I did a whole episode when the team, I think it might've been that January 20th game where I was like, we all as sons, you know, fans, followers, Valley residents like to say bridges is this lockdown guy. It's only him. And I think you realize when you see bridges play without Aiton, that it's both of them. And so those guys being at their best and then the sons being able to rotate on the back of that, I tweeted a picture of, Luca taking a pick and roll, like a floater, turnaround jumper type thing. And there's four Suns in the paint, but nobody seems open at the same time. And the Suns <laughs> are able to do that because they have such length and IQ and they're zoning up on the backside and all those things that you're supposed to do when you're defending a pick and roll. Um, I also worry the most on the Suns end about fouls because yeah. that was a huge problem, as you guys pointed to in, in part one of this, this crossover. The Suns got into foul trouble a lot, especially Jay Crowder in round one. And that was a Pelicans team. They were getting some calls that maybe were a little bit questionable, but that's not a team that has the level of creators that, you know, Luca is and everything else. So I, I do worry about that a little bit. Um, are there other guys on the Mavs that can draw fouls like that? Or is it really just Luca that people need to worry about? Oh, Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie's going to draw a bunch of fouls, I think. Yeah. This last series was not a Dinwiddie series at all because of the, just because of Gobert, basically. 
And uh, I think this this will be a series where Dinwiddie he's become, you know, I like to the uh, the third the thirty rock phrase. He's the third heat, like he's the third heat for the Mavs. We have Luca that could do anything. Brunson's the post up can get a bunch of mid range shots. He has that herky jerky game, and then Dinwiddie is just like the straight line drive to the rim kind of guy. And so if we see anything any time where uh, you know he's getting to the basket a lot, then he's going to be drawing some fouls. Now he's got to make his free throws because that was a huge thing, and he admitted that in the first series, but. Yeah, we haven't really got to talk about Dinwiddie much, but that you know, we talk about going small after the trade. But the biggest part of that trade is having the third you know creator, having the third ball handler, and Dallas really leaned into that game six of throwing out that lineup of not just small ball, but having all three of those guys on the floor at the same time that can put the ball on the floor, create something, get to the basket type thing. I'm I'm curious of <clears throat> you know besides taking you know trying to put DeAndre in this you know pick and roll all that stuff. How much will Dallas try to hunt Chris Paul on the on the switch with with Luca? Mm. And will we see more post up possessions? Will we see Luca? You know, Luca last year had some good post up numbers. Will we see that increase this series of hey, listen? I was watching some of that you know January twentieth game earlier, and just seeing what we could learn from it a little bit. And there were a few times just early in that game that Chris Paul got switched off on Luca, and Luca just immediately back to the basket, you know, backed him down. So I wonder if that's something they'll actually you know go after. Or Booker with the injury. Like, what do you think about the Mavs hunting either of those guys? Yeah, it's it's probably going to happen. That's why, you know, back full circle a little bit, I don't like the idea of Booker starting on Brunson. I mean, I don't think you do everything you can to get out of that, but it's back to some of that switching stuff too, that, that re-switching or scram switching to just bail out Paul and Booker if it's possible at all. A couple other things on on the Suns end on, with the pick and roll stuff though is, I think that the Suns will have an advantage in this series and even maybe a way that the Mavs or that the Jazz didn't. Where <laughs> well, you think they'll have an advantage? <laughs> well, their <laughs> wings are bigger in some cases than like I saw there was a couple possessions where Bridges had an open shot and it was like Brunson closing out on him or if it's Dinwiddie mm, closing yeah. out on him or even, you know, in some cases like Cam Johnson against Reggie Bullock or Mikhail Bridges on Reggie Bullock. It's not quite the same there, but the Suns have these wings that are going to mostly be bigger and longer than everybody outside of Finney Smith. So I, I think that could be an advantage. I really think this is going to be a Cam Johnson series. So I'm sorry if that, if that makes you like him less at the end of it, Isaac. Isaac but, uh, no, I love him. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be a Jay series. If he, if Jay Crowder can't guard Luca and he still is cold from three, I think we finally do see a ton of Cam Johnson. So I just think mm. the series is going to be decided in the pick and roll is, is who can, yeah, who can get the best shots? Who can defend it the best on the other side? It's going to be high scoring to me, and that's going to be uh, the end of it. I have one last question for you guys. Please. Suns fans were asking me this. I think they tweeted it at one of you. Maybe. <laughs> the Suns going to win in four? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many games are the Suns going to win in? No. Uh, what? So at the end of this round one, it was Jose Alvarado who we talked about that Suns mm. fans hated. Who's the guy on the Mavs that Suns fans are going to come away hating by the end of the series? That, that was somebody asked me that on Twitter. Is Luca too much of a cop out? Yeah, I, it <laughs> I, mean, is. It, I mean it is, but he's the guy. Like it's yeah. just everything flows through Luca and and those damn he, smiles. Oh, it's it's that smile, that damn Chase smile. Is. He uh, <laughs> he gets he gets under the skin of any player. Like if anybody is like has a you know a crack in their armor or something like that, or just shows that they're frustrated or something, he'll just like keep going at him, keep poking the bear. Like you know, there's a lot. Like you hear about the stories about you know. 
Larry Bird. I've been watching that Winning Time, you know, show where where Larry Bird would be like, "Hey, I'm about to go do this to you right here. I'm gonna step back in your face, and I'm gonna like he has done that to players in the NBA where he just like looks and tries to pull the same thing off play after play. Uh, the play against Rudy Gobert where he he like posts him up. Like who posts up Rudy Gobert? But he posts up Rudy Gobert. He does the 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 fake three times above his head and then hits the layup, gets the foul, and he just like you know he runs and he runs and yells to the bench, the Jazz bench. He can't guard me. About Rudy Gobert, three-time <laughs> defensive player of the year, like huge seven-foot human. Uh, it's going to be Luca, yeah. And if it's not Isaac, it's, it's maybe Dorian, because Dorian loves talking yeah. to the benches too. But but people respect the heck out of Dorian. And He's so like we, we just don't have one of those dudes. The, the only other guy, Luca's the answer. Luca's the clear answer of that. Um, but the only other guy would be Maxi, just because Maxi just doesn't give a crap. He <laughs> do, he'll like he'll he'll foul somebody hard. He'll go he'll go for any block at the rim. You know he like I think we could see a Maxi Jay Crowder nose to nose type you know situation at some point. Mm. I could see that. I think and, if I was in the NBA, Maxi would frustrate me because he would surprise me. I mean, at this point, he's been in the league long enough. But for fans too, it's like yeah. he can do that. What? What just happened? Why did he catch a lob dunk? Like one, one you know of my favorite or... things is when perimeter guys for opposing teams are smaller guards. They'll yes. get switched off with him, defending him, or Maxi's defending them, and they think it's a mismatch, and they try okay. to get past him, and he blocks them. I'm like, this is not a mismatch. But my my last question for you, one more thing: What's the odds that uh, what's the odds? This is maybe a way that Dallas could win this series. But what's the odds Jalen Brunson outplays Chris Paul in this series? Oh, like. For ten percent, five percent. Okay, okay, okay. I just want. I mean, it's true. So the the one big thing about last series was that he might outscore him. He might right, outproduce right. him, but right, outplay right. him. I don't. I don't see. Is that okay. Brunson thoroughly outplayed Donovan Mitchell in the last series, and so you 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 know you see it like that, and then you're like, okay, well, can he do it the same way? But Chris Paul, he doesn't outplay you by scoring forty five or, or even thirty five, right? Like he just yeah. out, he yeah. just like dices you up, and Brunson doesn't do that. He gets that senior citizen discount. So. <laughs> I gotta get my shots off now before no, you gotta get some kind of shots off. <laughs> that's that's how that's how it has to go. All right, guys, game one should be awesome. I'm excited. I will be there. Uh, mm. Hopefully, I don't crash my car on the way there this time. Knock on wood. <laughs> oh, wait, what's it, what uh, happened? It, it should be an awesome from. series. We'll get into that offline. I, I don't, uh, <laughs> don't want to sour anybody's mood. It's round two time, seven o'clock local tip. We might cross over again, but either way, we will be here with you every single day. Thanks for making Locked On Suns and Locked On Mavs your first listen. Now go make Locked On NBA your second listen to catch up mm. on everything that goes on in the NBA on Monday night. Good plug. Peace Boom. out, Brendan. Boom. Boom.